Hey, babes. I am your host, Christina Catherine McGinnis, a recent college graduate who is just trying to figure her shit out. In the Bottled Bond podcast, we are talking lots of booze with a new drinking word every week, dishing on our latest dating adventures, diving into work hacks, and the best hashtag self-care tips around. This is a place for all babes to come and chat about the millennial four pillars, booze, boys, business, and beauty. Come with a glass of champs and get ready to laugh, learn, and have a happy hour with your blonde digital BFF. Let's celebrate not having it all together, but having a good fucking time while we're at it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts every Thursday. Cheers. Hello, TBB babes. How is everyone? I am your host, Christina Catherine McGinnis, the founder of KCM Connect, the blog, christinamcginnis.com, and the podcast, The Bottled Blonde, which you are listening to, where we talk booze, boys, business, and beauty. Hey, what's up? Hello. This week has been a real rough one. Just being honest here, the man's LA Hotman is unfortunately losing his dad this week. It's been a really, really long process and stuff that I really haven't shared a ton. I know I've sprinkled it a little bit on the podcast, but he's been in a coma since December after kind of like a crazy accident. And unfortunately, they're pulling the plug today. So hate to get all damper and down, but that is kind of just some things that are happening in our lives. And I was thinking a lot about this and just like the concept of like grief and letting people go. And personally, I haven't had someone pass in my life in such a long time and was thinking about it, you know, especially when it's not just you, like you're trying to be there for another person. And I thought of like writing down different ways to like try to help him through this. And I even asked him like, okay, what are some things that I can do to like show up for you right now in this moment? And a lot of times that might just be like distracting them or making them laugh or just like listening to them and maybe saying nothing. But I actually headed to like different blogs and resources and Pinterest. And I came up with 40 self-care tips when you're grieving And I feel like a lot of these could be even if like you're in a bad mood or in a bad place or you're trying to move on from maybe like a past breakup. I feel like a lot of these happen to kind of like work for everything, but I'm going to riddle off some of them. One of them was actually clean, clear and reorganize your space. And I did this for him over the weekend. We went through his full closet, bathroom, whole bit, went to home goods, got so many like reorganizing things. And I noticed that with myself, if I have a really like reorganized, clean space, I feel so level-headed. Another thing is to set up routines and rituals. I love this. And I saw another girl do this on Instagram, where essentially she held herself accountable with an Excel spreadsheet. And she was able to go through the spreadsheet and check off every single day that like she worked out. And so if you guys want to do something similar along the lines, she ended up literally doing it day by day. So she could go in, keep herself accountable, check it off. I think that would be amazing. One of them was to go outside. And I think that this is huge. Because especially in COVID, a lot of times you get like stuck in your house and sometimes it's stuffy. And if you're in your house all day or you're working from your house, you can get into kind of a funk. So like even setting your timer for like, okay, at noon every day, you're going to go for a walk. Another thing that I loved that was on this list was ground yourself. And 
Grounding is something that we've chatted about on the podcast before, but I've noticed this specifically for me at the beach. Maybe that sounds a little funky, but when I'm like sitting in the sand, like listening to the waves, like being outside, breathing the fresh air, that helps me so much. I feel so clear. I feel so good when I'm sitting on the beach and like just being like in earth. Maybe that's even going for a hike. I swear, just getting out of your home and then setting boundaries and saying no was another one that I loved. Just seeing like where you're at in the present day, especially if like you've lost someone, whether it's through death or like a breakup and realizing, okay, you've got to set boundaries on like what you can and can't do right now. Maybe you used to be able to go do like five workouts a week or something and like you need like an off day or your friends are like social butterflies and they want you to go do a million things and you're just not feeling like it. I feel like that's 100% okay for you to just stand back, be like, I'm not into this today. This is not where I'm at. I need to take a break. So setting those boundaries and saying no to things that aren't feeling that great to you. Another one they said was name and visualize your mental health problems. So if there's like something that's happening, I think a lot of times when you're grieving, there's so many emotions that you don't even understand. So maybe writing down exactly how you feel. Maybe it's anxiety or sadness. But I think like visualizing like how all those things are and naming them. Like we've said this on the pod, even like naming when you're in like a shitty mood or doing something that's super annoying. And you're like, wow, that's like really sassy Sammy or, you know, that's messy Miranda or whatever that is for you. Maybe like naming those emotions could potentially help. Another one that I found that was really interesting was avoiding caffeine I've noticed this even like in my boyfriend and even myself when I'm more anxious, the more caffeine that I drink, I will literally be like a damn hamster on a wheel. Like sometimes it almost amps you up. And so maybe switching if you're like a really heavy coffee drinker to something like green tea or like a matcha or something that's a little less caffeine than like maybe you're straight up like nitro cold brew you always get from Starbucks, aka me. Like those are all really, really good tips that I have felt like definitely make a difference. And then making achievable lists. This kind of goes back to, you know, setting boundaries for yourself, but making lists that you can actually complete. So when you have a list that's like maybe five to 10 things, you, what I do is I go in my, the notes in my phone and I'll make a checklist and figure out, okay, what's going to be doable for me today? Because If I'm going to look at this whole week, I'm going to go batshit crazy. So if I just look at 24 hours and say, hey, these are my top five or seven things besides my meetings, besides everything else that's happening that I have to get done. And maybe that's for yourself. Maybe that's straight up putting some damn laundry away. I don't know. That could be, you know, something that you need to get done. I'm the worst at laundry. So it immediately comes to like the forefront of my mind. But I think some things like that where you just take it day by day and action by action versus looking at a full 24 hours or even like a full week can be really overwhelming for people when you've had a huge pivotal change in your life. So there were some kind of huge ones and we'll post like the full list of 40, you know, on the Bottle Bond podcast. That way you guys can go save it, screenshot it. Kind of the last one that I'll share with you guys, it it was ask for love as well as help. I think a lot of times when you're grieving or, you know, breakups or even moving, like there's so many pivotal things that happen that kind of shake you up. 
you can ask for like, Hey, like maybe you need love and attention from family members. Maybe you're like, Hey mom, I really miss you. Can you hop on a 10 minute phone call? Just like hearing those things and like letting people know the expectations that you need from them is super helpful. As well as maybe you're needing advice from someone, like maybe someone has gone through something very similar to you and you just want to like ask them what their experience was. I think people don't understand like the power of actually asking people for exactly what you want, because then they're not in like la la land trying to figure it out themselves. But I've noticed a lot of these things that we've tried to implement from him, like in these last few weeks have been really, really helpful. And, you know, we even, you know, starting with the cleaning, cleaning the room, you know, dusting up the space, getting rid of old things can kind of just make you feel fresh, new, lighter. But those are just kind of some things that are happening in our lives. And I felt like that could be really, really valuable for you guys too, because I know there's so many things that are happening with us and moving into fall. I always feel like there's like crazy pivotal changes that end up happening. So I figured I would just run through those with you guys. and. I'm excited for today's episode. We're talking all about engagements, wedding. So we're kind of moving from this intro being a little bit more like, okay, maybe you're grieving to like, okay, we're moving into really like happy celebratory times. So I can't wait for you guys to chat with Melissa. Hello, TBB babes, guys and gals of all ages, sizes, genders, locations. What the hell is up? We're chatting with Melissa Fancy today all about, drumroll please, engagements, like how to plan an actually like an epic engagement that your significant other is going to love and what are the steps to planning it? Because there's a lot more than you would just think of. And she has so many good like tips and tricks. Then we talk about wedding planning. She has planned thousands of weddings and talks all about kind of the mishaps, the falls, like what you should be doing and what you should not be caring about, who should matter in the wedding and who should fucking not. So this is such a good episode. I am personally not getting married anytime soon. But if you are, if a friend, family member, share it. Do a little like, subscribe, leave us a review. Melissa Fancy is freaking stellar human. So let's just jump right on in. Hello, TBB babes. Today we are talking all things events. I am so excited because if you guys know me, I freaking love a good event. And I'm excited to talk details because I really feel like the details are like what sets things apart. So we're going to be talking how to throw your engagement, how to propose for our male listeners or female listeners. And then we're going to be talking wedding planning. There's just so much to go into. So thank you so much for hanging out with the TBB babes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to be here. Woohoo! Well, let's dive on in. For the people who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came into event planning, because I feel like everyone has like this story. Yeah, no, they do. And it's really funny, you know, where we've all come from. And it's one of those things that every time I talk to my event planner friends, we're all like, no, it's like a weird, like, addiction. You know, we just can't get away. I think I've tried to stop being an event planner like three different times in my <laughs> career. And it's a, here I am. No, I went to school for interior design. And when I was done, the economy crashed. 
and I was living in Oregon, in Portland, and um, there was just no work for creatives or luxury. And the, it was just, if, if you didn't work at a hospital, you weren't going to have a job. And so I just like any other, you know, super young 22 year old got on Craigslist and like no judgment. That's how we got jobs at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's weird now, but we didn't have all your fancy indeed.com stuff. All right. We, I, I went online and I started looking at different places in the States, big cities that had great economies. And I just typed in the word designer everywhere. And so I found this job in Park City and I thought I could do it for event design just because I had just finished with interiors and it kind of correlated. So yeah, so I went for it. She hired me. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't have any idea that Park City was a mountain town. I moved and I learned really quickly that it's full of snow and you need verbal drive. Um, And so I figured it out and it was great. You know, it was perfect timing here. Deer Valley was a small little town. At the time, the Montage Deer Valley was being built. St. Regis Deer Valley had just finished. And, you know, I got to do like the first wedding that ever happened at Montage Deer Valley and start really great friendships there that are still to this day intact. And I'm super proud of that. And yeah, it just sort of exploded from there. I started my own business in 2013, just because I kind of felt a different calling to a different niche in the market. And so I followed that and it just... It served me well, you know, every year we, I, I've been growing more and more the weddings get bigger and bigger and it's really just a, the wild ride. Okay. So you're from, are you sure are you originally from Portland? I'm from Portland. Yeah. I was just from Eugene and okay. then I went to school in Portland and then I moved out here. Okay. Where, where'd you go to school? I went to the art Institute, Portland. Oh, you did. Okay. I was actually going to go to the art Institute. I like, yeah, it's program did every, like, I did like their summer, gosh, it was kind of like a summer project runway where essentially they take you into like a a room or whatever. They let you pick out some stuff and then they're like, hi, you have 30 minutes to design. And I was like, what the hell did I get into? It was a weird time because a lot of it, you know, I was working at the same time and a lot of it was online school was not really a thing, but they had like a lot of classes supported by online and tech. And so it was just a weird time to be in school because before that it was only book work for design and really hands-on stuff. And so it sort of, it moved over and like we learned CAD and CAM, like at the very beginning, you know, of the computers being a thing, like you didn't use to carry around a, a laptop with you. And then that was sort of like the time that we did. And so when, when I was done, I just was so familiar with, with tech and the internet. And this was before bridal blogs were a thing. Pinterest did not exist. Instagram was like unheard of, you know, Facebook was the only cool thing. So when, when you have all of the, the, the education from how to use design with tech that made wedding planning very different, you know? And I was the only one who sort of had that brain at the time because I was so young. And I think it really served me well. You know, now I can build my own website. I do all the design boards on my own computer. You know, I don't need a whole team to do all this stuff. Did you have anybody who like inspired you or like anything that you were, or anything that you remember seeing that you're like, I want to freaking do this? No, I didn't even, I did not grow up in the world of luxury. I had no idea about any of this stuff. One of the jobs that I had in, Eugene, I worked for an interior designer and she was sort of the first foray into the world of luxury goods for me because she had a cute little boutique and she had two, one on one side was a boutique and then across the street, she had like a design studio. And so we maintained both of those for her. And that was just sort of where I first started dipping my toes into, you know, things like 
oh, Arnie Italica China, you know? Yeah, um, you're like, and so, what the hell is this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because like you grew up in Eugene, it's very simple life. You're not, that's not like the main normal thing there. Yeah, so that sort of was it. But really, I just wanted to, I just wanted to do something bigger. I just felt like there was a calling for me to do something bigger. I knew I wanted to do something creative. I didn't want to sit at a desk all day, you know? That's not what I wanted to do. And so I'm definitely not now. <laughs> yeah, I know. For people who don't know, so Eugene is like, 45 minutes from where I went to college. So I went to OSU and I grew up in Portland and literally, I, that's so crazy. That's, yeah, a, that's did so you ever go back? Do you still have family in Eugene? Oh yeah. I mean, that's my roots, you know? So I have, I have all my, my, my family, my best friends, everybody's home. So, you know, I haven't been able to go home this year. I went last year. We, during the pandemic, we actually went and I hung out with my mom. We went camping and I got to see some of my friends, but when I'm working, it's very difficult for me to get home. The flights to Eugene are not as easy. They're like, there's no Uber there. Everything is a little bit more difficult, you know? So it's hard to get home. But when I do go home, I really love it. And I I really love to see my friends. I think keeping your roots is important because I like will go travel. Like I'll be in the Maldives with people and these crazy vacation, you know, and fam trips with travel agents and all this stuff. And then it's really important to go home and remember where you came from. Yeah. It keeps you grounded. Yeah. So when you're moving out there and you're creating this company, what are some things that you learned along the way? Because I know there's a million, but what are some things while you were growing an events company that you were like, this was never talked about. No one like kind of like hidden secrets. Honestly, this is an ongoing conversation I have because I firmly believe in transparency with my clients and pricing. I think it's really important. There is so many wedding planners out there and designers too. This is practice of designers where they are not transparent with pricing. And a lot of a lot of people will get in trouble later because if our clients are, you know, at all interested in what that pricing really is, they're going to inquire. And so I I I keep a very, very strong opinion that my clients know how much things cost. They know how much the vendors are charging. There's no markup. It is what it is. And they, my fee is my fee. That is not discounted because I don't do that. But they get to see the invoices. They sign their own contracts. I'm not charging you know, some 20% on top of everyone else's stuff. I, I, I go back and forth because I think that a lot of people think that that's a really good way to make money. And I'm sure it is. But our clients are smart. They're very savvy. My my brides, they're 24, 25, 30. They know how to use the internet. They know how to get information right now, yesterday. Yeah, they, know what, so, that, they know what things cost too. They that know what things cost. Thing. They know what their friends have been, you know, charged. Um, they're not, they're not idiots. And the thing is, I know my clients aren't afraid to pay for what they like and want. So I'm just honest with them and I try my best to manage their budget and to to manage their expectations on what their budget will give them and to give them the maximization of that. But I'm not interested in trying to pull one over on them. And I think for me, that's one of the things that is the biggest sort of misnomer is, you know, everyone's always like, well, if you put the word wedding on it, it's more expensive. Well, yes, because your expectation of service is higher. Of course, it's not the same as if your birthday cake got screwed up, right? You're going to have a birthday again next year. But the other piece of it is, also, no, I'm not, you know, I'm charging what it's going to cost for us to do what you're asking us to do, but I'm not just increasing it and making money just because the word wedding is on it. And I'm not interested in, you know, upcharging vendors. And so for me, that has always been something that I felt very strongly about. And I think that's maybe an unpopular opinion with some people, but it's really, it's my clients value it. They know what the rentals cost. They know all of that. And, you know, 
the other part of it is like, I, I want my clients to know that I, I value the vendors that I'm sending their way. I think that they are the best to serve them. They are the best that fit their budgets. They're professionals. So I don't want my clients to think that I'm sending them a vendor their way that is just going to give me a commission on the backside of it. You know, that's not what we do here. So I, I want them to value the vendors that they're booking and, and value the talent and the fee that they're paying them. So for me, it's just really, really important to keep it all clear and transparent, you know? Yeah. What's the biggest like myth about the, about wedding planning? Cause when I think wedding planning, do you want to know what I freaking think of? I Tell think me. Of- Jennifer Lopez. Is it Jennifer Lopez? I think it is. Yeah. And it's like her and she falls in love with the guy and all the things. Like that's my idea of it. And they showed like a touch of it not being glamorous, but not as much as I feel like it actually is. What are like some of the biggest myths in your industry? I think that there is, I guess on the client side, what I've seen is they don't understand that we have done this so many times that we're not telling them information because we want their day to be a certain way. We are telling them information and advice based on the fact that we have done this hundreds and thousands of times and it's not going to go well. So when I tell you, you need this much time for hair and makeup, I'm not making it up for fun. That's the truth. you know. Or if I tell you that a destination wedding is not less expensive than doing it at your house, that's the truth. You know, there's all kinds of different things like that that we go through that brides push back on because they think that we're just making it up or we're just, oh, we just want to make more money or something. It's not that. Sh- it's not that. We we know what you're trying to do and what is happening, and we want to make all of that come together. And it, it's it's not because we're making it about us. It's because we're trying to make sure that everything happens how you want it. And so one of those things is, I think that the girls and the guys they they don't really they don't really see that we really do have their best interests at heart. I mean, we're sitting here working on our computers till two o'clock every morning, just for them, you know, just for their one day to be perfect. Now that's not every wedding planner. Not all of them are great. You know, the other thing is I think that they don't realize how much it costs because they don't realize how much work goes into it. Your wedding consumes every minute of our life. Even when you're not talking to us, even when you haven't heard from us in a month, all we think about is our bride. And all we're doing is talking to vendors on your behalf. And so it is not something where you can pay somebody to do that for like peanuts. You wouldn't do that for anybody, you know? Mm -hmm. So I I always, I get a lot of people that inquire like, why would it cost so much? I'm like, cause you're literally talking about 400 hours at least, you know? That's so insane. So I actually little like backstory. I worked sales at a bridal boutique where we did like wedding dresses and yeah. it was, like the most gratifying thing to like mm-hmm. have someone say yes to the dress and like they feel beautiful and magical and all these things. But there is so much pressure like around mm-hmm. the wedding industry because I feel like too, it's that one day that it's not like your birthday that you get to redo. And it's like, that moment for the rest of your life for a lot of people, yeah. unless, unless you're, you know, tapping into three, four weddings or whatever. But yeah, um, but I think it's like, it's pretty crazy. And I want to kind of go nitty gritty of everything mm. and like break it down. So let's start because engagement season is happening. So what is like the best kind of things that for the guy listeners or girl listeners who are planning an engagement, what should they be thinking about? What are like some standout things that like, put it over the top. Sure. So one of the conversations that has come up lately is that, you know, 
when you first, depending on the people, right? So there's, there's two sort of types of people. There's the introverted people that really want to have that, that moment for themselves. And they want to sort of save it for themselves. not ready to share with the world, all of that. And if that's the case, be aware, like read the room. If, if you have a, a woman who, or a man who is just more introverted and really wants to just savor that moment, don't propose and then have all these people all around them because that is really just not, it, it doesn't, it doesn't reconcile for them. You want that to be as sacred and wonderful for them as long as it can. And then share together, decide that together. And then if there is somebody who is very extroverted and has had, you know, a group of friends from their childhood, and it's all something that they share life moments together, those people should all be there to celebrate after you propose, you know, have a cute little party ready to go. That is something that they want to share in that moment with their friends, that joy is super important to share. So they don't want to just FaceTime. So that I think is really important. And that's been what I've seen a lot of girls, you know, I wish, I wish my best friends were there so we could have champagne after that's super important, you know? And then the other thing is, you know, obviously the normal stuff, right? Like tell the mom, tell the sister, tell the best friends, we can make sure nails are done. Make sure that, you know, all of that stuff is worked out. Photography though, and video, make sure that it's not iPhone video, hire a photographer, hire a video have them hide far away, have that moment relived, have it be something that is something they can look back on and remember. And, and it, it just goes so fast. If you don't have somebody to do that, you know, then you're stuck with just iPhone photos and people it's 2021, 22 people want good photography and video of the most important moments in their life. And that's one of them. There's companies out there like we can do, you know, set up a whole scene for you do the whole engagement party, all of that stuff. But there's companies too, that just focus on doing that stuff. And there, there's some great ones like in LA, there's some great ones out here. There's some great ones in um, San Diego. They're, they're all over the place. But there's, there's little planners that specifically focus on engagement and proposals. So I would definitely do that. I mean, don't, it's not something to skimp on. I don't think. I don't think so either. Okay. Do you want to know no. what like, my biggest panic is? And maybe this is like, so stupid. All the engagements that are on a freaking cliff. And I'm like, don't drop the fucking ring. That's no kidding. my one that I'm like panicked over. So how is location factored into this? When you're planning, how should you pick the location for the proposal? Location is really important. I re- well, So I have curly hair, which is very important. Know your audience. I have curly hair. I blow it out. So when my husband proposed to me, Um, We were in Napa and it was like raining outside. And I was so upset because (laughs) I didn't realize. (laughs) Are you kidding? Literally. I literally said, no, I was like, what are you doing? Why are we going outside right now? It's like starting to rain. This is dumb. Uh And I literally said right now, what are you doing? I need to go inside. Like get me out of the rain. And I was Uh so like ruffled for a minute because I didn't know he was proposing and I wasn't the most pleasant in that moment, to be honest, because <laughs> I was like, my hair is going to just explode into prayers. Like, what are you doing right now? You know, so, so know your audience. Like if they're not beach people, don't propose on the beach. And I mean, maybe like have a string for the ring tied to the box so that if it falls in the sand, you could find it. <laughs> oh my God. I know. You know? That's like my right? panic. I swear to God, like yeah. I've seen like yeah. a few videos where it goes like over the fucking waterfall. 
And I'm like, oh, I'm like, this should have never happened. Okay. So, right. So get insurance on the ring, first of all, but yeah, it's pay attention to where it's. So also if you, if you're smart and you hire a photographer, obviously these are all things that you're going to really think about ahead of time, because you want to make sure that you're in good lighting. You want to make sure it's not raining, you know, all of those things. Obviously, you know, if you're, if you're on a ski lift somewhere and you're just really feeling it, fine. You know, it's the moment's important, but also we, we don't want, we don't want to have just iPhone pictures. So try to work it out, you know, and then just be really careful where you're doing it and make it feel really organic. But I mean, at the end of the day, like if it's in a space that is meaningful to you guys, that's all that matters, you know? Yeah. What about, okay. What about for the guys when they are trying to plan picking out a ring? Like, because I feel like this is, I think it's hilarious, especially because some guys have like no sense of anything. What can you kind of give us a little bit of like ring backstory? Like how much, like, is there, I've heard, and maybe this is like totally not true, but I've heard like you buy a ring. Obviously every ring is dependent on the person, your financial stuff. You buy a ring that's like like, I don't know, like 20% of your making or like, I heard like something. Yeah. There was like some rule of thumb that it was supposed to be like the ring was equal to like three or four months of the salary or something. Yeah. Like something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I think these days, that's probably a good rule of thumb, but I think it also depends on finances. Right. I think it's also really dependent on the person and how they're going to wear it. You know, if you're, I mean, most girls have never said no to a diamond, but, but I would also say like, if you, if you have a a woman that you're about to propose to, you have some idea if she is super glamazon and wants like a mega stone, or if she wants a band that has sparkles all the way around it, or, you know, or if she wants something meaningful, like something, an heirloom from the family, you will know. And that's something to pay attention to, but honestly, like her best friend will know. Her best friend will know. Like if it doesn't matter, like my best friend is, you know, tennis quad, he would know exactly the ring. Like he'd be like, here's the ring or at least the place to go shop, you know? So there is just some people that you should probably check with before you purchase it, (laughs) you know, or take pictures and send to the best friend and say, Hey, what are your thoughts? You know? And I, I would say it's really important to do the research on this and, I would even say it's probably not a bad thing to have a conversation. If if it's something that you're expecting your partner to wear for the rest of their life, present that they yeah. are taken for the rest of their life, it should be something that they want to wear. So if, you know, when my husband first had the conversation with me, I was like, listen, I want it to be this size. Very important to me. No smaller. So don't propose to me until you can get there. Mm-hmm. And that was a conversation because I felt if I'm a wedding planner, this is what I should have. And so that was a conversation that we had in our relationship that I think you should have those conversations. Now, if you're a bazillionaire, I mean, do whatever you want, you know, (laughs) they're like, you get a ring a year. You get a ring a year. Congratulations. Whatever you want. (laughs) But but, I mean, even then, like some girls can't stand an oval. Some girls can't stand, you know, a princess cut. So, I mean, have those conversations. It's not going to be hurtful, you know? Yeah. And two, I think there's subtle ways of doing that, like beforehand, like even, okay. For example, like I know someone who did this, that I thought was really smart, like a year into their relationship, they like went into a diamond store and he's like, Oh, well, like, what do you like? And they did it. And he proposed like two years later, but at least he had the idea 
early on in the relationship that, okay, I'm probably going to propose one day. You're not going to do yeah. it like a month before you're proposing. Yeah. You get an idea, but like having like that or like sending her girlfriends into Tiffany's or wherever. Okay. Where are some stores speaking? Cause I just said Tiffany's where are some stores that are good to get rings at? Like are like your tried and true. So Tiffany's obviously classic. A lot of people aren't into it. There's amazing designers out there. I know that like, for example, in San Francisco, there's a whole like diamond, diamond depot place. And it's in the basement of this building and it's huge. And you can get Takari there. You can get all the different things. Obviously, a lot of the mainstream places are like, you know, Shane and Co, everyone's best friend in diamond industry. <laughs> There's all of those places. But I, I think something a little bit more special, you know? And so like, if you're in LA, you're going to see a lot of the similar, like sort of diamond dealer type places. Go to something legit. I mean, it's also also something to think of with rings is if your partner is very committed to having a conflict-free diamond, that's something you need to be aware of because you don't want to give them a diamond and have them say, I would like to marry you, but the fact that you gave me a ring that's not conflict-free makes me know that you don't know me. <laughs> so those are things to think of. What's conflict-free? Is that where it has like, essentially like it's not a perfect diamond? No, that's where the diamond trade has been really, really terrible. Uh-huh. you know, and it's dangerous and it's not good. There's a ton of research. You can look this up on the internet. There's a ton of research on it, but there are companies like Rare Carrot that do conflict-free diamonds only. And so they're making sure that the diamonds aren't, you know, hurting the environment and hurting people and all of that. It's a whole thing. So there are people who are very aware of that and it's really important to them. I mean, the same as being vegan, you know, so just yeah. be aware of that stuff. So yeah. I never thought of that too. I've heard of like the imperfect diamond or like the clarity or whatever, but I never yeah. All that stuff is important education. Yeah. But the conflict free and like where it came from is really important. I love it. Okay. That's so amazing. Mm-hmm. These are all such yeah. tips. What do you feel like is the secret to now planning an amazing wedding? Like how long should it take? Like give us all the nitty gritty. Well, listen, I think there's not one, one simple answer for that for every single person because there's so many different factors. Right. But I would say hire a wedding planner even if the wedding planner isn't the most amazing planner, like if you can't afford, like, for example, when people call me and they they can't afford my fee, I'm like, that's fine. But just please hire somebody you need to have. You're not able to do all of this. And your family is not able to do all of this. There is so much more work than you could ever imagine. So just have somebody not necessarily a day of person, find somebody who's maybe more up and coming and who would be willing to work with you from like six months out onward. But I've even had people pay me, you know, hourly to consult, to make sure that like their venue is situated, right? Their, their vendors are proper and all of that. And then they'll take that and go run with it and hire somebody down the road later. But that's super important. As far as how long it takes, I can plan a wedding fairly quickly. There's just going to be different factors Like, you know, you might not be able to get custom invitations if you start planning six weeks out because that takes more time. But honestly, you, you want to take your time with it. Don't rush because it can be very stressful. This isn't something that you do all the time. And there's so much emotion put into it. It's not the same as planning a party. Everything is an emotional decision. Everything is a connection. Everything has to make sense. And you're going to do more research than you really, really ever wanted to do. So I would say... If you in normal times, not post pandemic times, if you are engaged now, you might want to try to plan a wedding 
for, you know, next year or the year after. You will have better luck with availability. If you are looking for a 2023 wedding, you will have more options. You will have less stress. Even 22 is booking up. Things are very expensive right now. And it's really difficult to get answers out of people because everyone's so swamped with the backlog of weddings that's happening right now. Not to say that you won't get what you want. It's just going to be more stressful. So if you're like, we'll get married in 23, we're going to enjoy being engaged. It's going to be easy and fun. And then we're just going to let all of this work itself out. That's my best advice. Normal times, you really just need like a year and then you're okay. A year. When is like the best time of year to have, obviously there's different weddings, but like to start planning, like when is like the best time? Is fall good? Is like winter good? When have you felt like is the easiest to start planning? It depends on where you're going for your wedding. Stay away from holidays. Vendors have usually like for a florist, for example, during Christmas, they're swamped with holiday decor. So that's something to think of. And then we all try to take, you know, the end of the year off, get ready for the new year. Early, like February headed into June is really good just because the people like we're, we're, we're not working every weekend. Right. So we're more available for phone calls and tastings and things like that. My schedule kind of goes constantly just because I do destination. So I, I don't have a single season. I'm all over the place constantly. So we're constantly having conversations with people, but I would say avoid holidays, avoid anything after a holiday, because when, when it's a holiday, we are always, you know, swamped with other like corporate events and things that are happening for holidays. So avoid holidays, avoid midsummer. Midsummer is crazy. Like I want to talk to my brides, but Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, before a wedding, we are on site, we are installing. And so, you know, we're, we're definitely able to do it, but like Monday, Tuesday get a little tricky for us. So we, we definitely try to get as much done as we can, but our priority is going to be our weddings that are, you know, that weekend happening. What are things that people should save on versus splurge? I think the dress is one of the things that you could save on. That's so interesting. Okay. I like this. Here's why. Here's why. When you have a certain amount of money, you are planning an event for however many of your guests are super important for you at that time. With whatever wedding dress that you end up with is going to be beautiful on you, right? But if you have a $10,000 dress and you can't afford flowers, chairs, food, or music, what is the point, right? So if you are more careful on the dress, then you can have the party that you're looking for and not feel so tight on everything else that actually affects guest experience. Guest experience should always be top of priorities because there's nothing worse than spending all that money. And at the end of it, having your guests be like, wow, there was no food there. And wow, those flowers look dead. And wow, there was nowhere for us to sit. And the DJ sucked, right? But you wore a $10,000 dress. Yeah. That sucks, right? So it doesn't make sense. That's why when I plan weddings, I try to get the whole budget and allocate out sections of it. That way it's making sense. And I don't send my bride off to Kleinfeld when she really has no business there at all, you know? And then if she wants to splurge on that or find money for that, that's great. But we're not pulling it out of floral. People always say in the beginning, oh my gosh, you know, not people, not all my brides, but some people say, you know, flowers aren't that important. The thing is, what are you going to do if there's no flowers? It's a wedding. You still need flowers. You still need a bouquet. You still need centerpieces, you know, and greenery is not actually that less expensive than flowers because we're still shipping them out on airplanes. It doesn't matter if it's greenery or roses. We're still doing all the things. Mm -hmm. So 
you can't just have, you know, this insane money Collier gown and some eucalyptus leaves on your table. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't go together. It's not it cohesive. Well. So, yeah. right. So we're trying to do, look at it big picture and break out. Okay. What makes sense for you to spend money on over here, hair and makeup. Okay. Maybe we'll just do hair for hair and makeup for the bride, but not for the bridesmaids. So it's a constant reprioritization and reallocation of funds to make sure that we're doing the right thing so we can have all of the pieces come together, you know? But yeah, the dress is one of the things for me. Okay. What, what are the best gifts to give your bridesmaids for a wedding? Like what are the best ones that you've seen that you're like, okay, these are amazing. I think things that last, I mean, you can give a candle. We all have 1000 candles. You know, the, the robes are really cute. I like the robes. I think that less is more. So I would like to see like better robes than just the cheapy little Amazon ones, because they are going to, you want them to have something that lasts forever. I love when brides give birdie slippers to the bridesmaids. I think they're super cute and they last forever for them. It's not some, you know, chintzy thing that they're giving away. I love jewelry that matches like a cute little bracelet that everybody can have. I love a great tote bag, not one that has their names on it, but just one that is, you know, cohesive and that they could use again. Not like one of the ones from the grocery store, but like one from like Nordstrom, like a nice tote, that yeah, they yeah, all, yeah. you know, something special. Like a, Yeah. Anything that is like truly something they would use again, you know, and then you can put a really cute tag on it with like a ribbon or something, but I don't know. I'm over all the, the names on everything type of, I, I would, I don't use that. Like who, who uses that, you know? Yeah. I was going to say, what are the current wedding trends that you're loving or hating? Like things that you feel like have been really overdone. I am loving seeing so much garden vibe right now. There is, everything is just this, it feels very natural and organic, but there's so much flowers and it feels like you're literally in a garden. I love also that brides seem to be a little more daring now with design. They're starting to kind of want something that's a little bit more unique and different, more color we're seeing, more combinations of colors. I, what am I hating? I am not loving the hair and makeup style that is a little popular, this sort of like messy, undone vibe that's happening with hair and makeup. I don't think it's going to wear well. I don't, I think it's going to age terribly. I think it looks like they have to brush their hair. It's not a good wedding vibe. In my opinion, that's not, not like, I don't, I don't know if you, have you seen it? I've, yeah, I've seen some of them. My, my probably most hated is like the damn bride tribe, the matching swimsuit. Oh yeah. All that stuff. All of the like, yes. Yeah. And I, okay. This is kind of weird, but maybe this is like, I don't know how you feel about this, but I hate that brides only wear white for every single event. Like every mm-hmm. single thing that's like the bachelorette party, then you're mm-hmm. at like the bridal shower and they're only wearing white. Like, and I'm like, yeah. I did it. But also like, I'm like, mix it up. Yeah, there's a lot of really opportunity to wear some really cool fashion. And I have seen a lot of the girls wearing a lot of the same stuff from like Revolve. All like all the white dresses are cycling all through the with the undone hair, with the bride tribe, bride tribe everything. And I'm like, this is like your moment to get really fun with fashion. And I think too, it's because they don't know where to look. So like I have a bridal stylist friend in New York, Julie Sabatino. She's amazing. And she will have a lot of her brides pull out some really cool fashion moves for the other, you know, auxiliary events. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. And I, I'm loving that a lot. And also it helps too, because then you're, you're more open to like more creative bridesmaids dresses versus just all the dusty blue matching stuff that's happening right now. Yes. No, totally. So for, so for that, now we're talking, let's go into like your craziest wedding planning stuff that's ever happened for you. 
Like what um, craziest experience you've ever had? Oh my gosh. There's so many things. I, I like crazy, like didn't work out well or crazy. Like, oh my God. All the, all the above. A lot of this stuff happens at weddings we have NDAs on. So I have to be careful how I say things. Yeah. But one of the ones that was my most favorite, it was just this, it was just a great, wonderful wedding. And it wasn't anything like terribly over the top, but they had one of their guests as a celebrity singer and nobody knew this person was coming. And then they were like, oh, hey, can I just sing a song? And they like just went up on stage and like sing with the band. And everyone was just like, oh my God like private concert. Oh my God. And that happens a lot of times in a lot of the really, you know, big name events, but this was just not one of those ones that felt like you would expect anything like that. It was just so normal. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, what, <laughs> you know, like, and we didn't, we didn't even know. Cause the name was changed on the escort cards. Like it wasn't even like, like nobody knew that that person was coming, you know, so oh. that was insane. That was amazing. Yeah. That is so like, we didn't know their security was there. Like they were so just under amazing. under the radar. That's yeah, really it was cool though. I like it was that. Cool. Yeah. I, I was gonna ask, have you seen any like kind of ones where like kind of gifts to I don't know the bride or groom? Like when I've seen that a little bit more recently when they've like given people gifts. I'm going on like Yeah, a lot of my brides and grooms do the gift thing. My favorite is when the groom gives her Cartier and then she's just floored and loses her mind. That's my favorite, like a really amazing gift. <laughs> a lot of the grooms, you know, they get beautiful watches and things like that. That was so far my favorite one because she just didn't expect anything like that. It was amazing. Yeah, I love it. I like it. Okay, worst story. Oh my gosh. There, I don't really have a whole lot go wrong at my weddings. I'm pretty like OCD about stuff and my, my clients and I have a really good relationship. So they listen for the most part. See, I had one woman who was marrying this darling man from Costa Rica and he was a shaman and they were in Costa Rica right before the wedding came to Park City for their wedding. And I got a call in my wedding. They had yellow fever and they had to go to the hospital and everything was like totally not fine. Oh yeah. my gosh. And she was just like, hi, I'm in that emergency room. And I was like, what? <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. yeah. So that was really interesting. We did get her out of the emergency room in time for the ceremony. But yeah, so we, we had to make like a plan A and a plan B and a plan C just in case. And like, okay, what are we going to do if she doesn't get out of the emergency room? What are we going to do if she does, but then doesn't feel good still? Like, like we had so many backup plans for this whole situation. And we, we all, all the vendors who just had like a massive powwow and we're like, all right, let's talk through this, you know? And so she made it all the way to her first dance and then went home. And then we just continued the party for the guests. But yeah, we don't really have a lot of like goes wrong. Just things like that, that end up working out in the end. But you know. Oh my gosh. Interesting. Yeah. That's so interesting. How do you feel about like non-traditional wedding dresses? Like, I love them. Okay, I love I, them. When I get married, I literally have said, I'll have to send you after this. There's this blogger that I'm freaking obsessed with who just put on for like Canes has this like insane all gold sequin dress. And I was like, that yes. is something that I would want for my wedding. Yes. I don't like the traditional because working in like all the bridal stuff, I don't like the just traditional dresses. What kind of untraditional dresses are you seeing right now? A lot of floral print. A lot. Like really big floral print. That's like just, I mean, everybody's super and we're still a little love struck, you know, with Bridgerton. So we're seeing a lot of that. Those are the ones that I think are just amazing. Or you'll see like a really, really 
moody vibe and they'll be wearing black, which is cool. That's cool too. I like Yeah, I think it's like really sexy. If you can do like a really black tie, everything, and then her black dress is just like insane. I just had a woman, her second dress was silver, like so much sparkle, it blinded everybody. It was amazing. It was huge. It was awesome. So she wore like a white, super sparkly dress for a ceremony. And then she went and changed into her reception dress, which was similar, but like just silver mega glitter. It was amazing. I had a bride wear a red gown once that had red flowers on it. Like, I don't know how to describe it. I'll post it sometime, but it was a red strapless like ball gown and it was gorgeous. And then it had these fluffy red flowers, like all sewn onto a whole dress. And then she wore red velvet Tom Ford, like heels. It was insane. I'm amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. It was really cool. Yeah. That's so cool. Where do you go to get those custom dresses? Or are they, Those are, or where, where do you go for like, cause I know you mentioned your friend who's in New York. Would you go to them for like the, this, like for a custom dress essentially? Yeah, actually, if I had a bride who wanted that, I would call Julie and we would go, go figure out what style she liked. And, and honestly, Julie would probably call the designer. Like she would probably say, Oh, you're, you're an Oscar de la Renta bride. Let's call Oscar and have them make you something, you know, because you can still get the silhouette of bridal but just have it in a pattern or a color that is more your style. I think the silhouette of bridal is really special. You know, it, the way the dresses fit, the way that they're made, they're not an evening gown. They are not. But the styling is super cool. And if you get it in some crazy, you know, amazing floral pattern or whatever you're thinking, I mean, they're, they're amazing at what they do. But I, I, I think that would be cool if you went to somebody like an Oscar I mean, they're doing a lot of that or Alexander McQueen type stuff. Like they're doing a lot of that stuff for runway, but you know, it, it sort of transfers over to bridal a little bit. And I think that they'd be really open to that for sure. But I would, I would call her honestly, because <laughs> I don't have the, I don't have their phone number. <laughs> I'm like, I don't have a ring, but I'm like already uh-huh. planning my wedding. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, already, I'm already ready for it. Okay. Yeah. What would be one piece of advice you would give to everyone who is planning their own wedding right now? Do what is right for you. The thing that I think is the worst thing you can possibly do, whether you have a planner or not, is let what everyone in your life thinks or tells you to influence what you do for your wedding. This is your time with your partner. This is your representation, your expression of who you two are as a couple. So what other people think doesn't matter. And that is one of the biggest hindrances for the couples that I've seen is when they start to care so much about what other people think, it, it makes it, it prohibits them from making any decision. And they're so worried about offending anybody that what they want to do doesn't actually happen. And it becomes the most frustrating thing because what they want, they won't voice. And they're so afraid of what people are thinking when they send out invitations or what song they pick for their first dance. And I always go back to them. I'm like, what, what song matters to you? don't tell me what your friend did at her wedding last weekend. Mm -hmm. What song matters to you? Because the way that you felt watching your friend have her first dance, you are not going to have your guests feel that way simply by you picking the same song she picked. Yeah. The reason you felt that was because she picked something that mattered to her and it was meaningful for her. So you will only recreate that by picking something that's meaningful to you, not by picking the song she had. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, I could 100% right? see that where people just essentially like kind of copycat each other's wedding because they're mm-hmm. like, wow, this was really pretty, but it doesn't yep. end up translating because you're like, right. oh, 
just because you love white roses or whatever, and you do the same thing, that's not going to be the same vibe, different location, different styles. There's like so many different things. I can hundred percent see that. So for example, I told this bride for last weekend, actually Saturday, two days ago, I said, I think based on what you're telling me, you want the experience to be like, we should do your first dance right when you come in after they introduce you. So introduction, come right into your first dance. And then you guys do a little welcome speech and then we'll do dinner and all that stuff. And what happens when I do that is it allows the guests to get up and hit the dance floor because they don't feel like they're waiting for the first dance to happen. Right. So I had told her all this. So we had planned it all like that. She came back to me like three days before the wedding and she's like, Hey, my friend did her first dance, like after the dinner. And then they went through all the dances and the cake cutting. And she's like, so I think I want to do that. And I was like, I mean, we can, but I think, I, I don't think that's the best thing for you. And she's, said, you know, that's what I want. And I said, okay. So we do it. Of course they come back and they're like, no one's dancing. Cause we didn't do the first dance already. And I said, I know that's what happens. I told you it's more fun when you do that yeah. first, because then everyone can just dance when they want to dance. They're not waiting for this whole situation to happen. And so she wished she would have done what I told her to do because it, you know, you have to do all these things before you can get to the dance party then. But I say that to say that, like, I think she wanted to do her first dance at the beginning, but then was influenced by her friends. And it wasn't the best thing for her specific wedding with all the factors. And that happens every single weekend when brides go to weddings. So like, Melissa, here's my laundry list of things that I want to do that my friends wanted to do or did. And I'm like, that's great. That worked for their wedding, but that doesn't mean it's going to be great for you. Like, what do you want to do? Because you've already yeah. told me what you want to do and now you're changing it, you know? And that gets where I think people, it starts to cost more. You add more stuff, you change your mind, you last minute, or yeah. you frustrate your vendors or you just make everyone crazy or you don't make any decision at all. And that, that's, let's just focus on what you want, you know? Yeah, stop worrying about everyone else. Yeah. That's when I'm like, stay in your own damn lane. There's a million mm-hmm. weddings. Like, yeah. and you can find a million things that you want to do, but if you're not barn chic, stop trying to be barn chic. Like, I'm like, yeah. Or like, if that. you want to wear a floral print dress on your wedding day, let's like go big and let's do that. You know, don't be worried if your mother-in-law isn't going to like it or something. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's your yeah. wedding. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel about too, speaking of mother-in-laws, like, okay, when mm-hmm. someone is paying for something, do you mm-hmm. feel like, because I've seen this, my friends have gotten married and they're like, well, my dad's paying for the bar and he said he only wants whiskey and champagne. How do you mitigate that situation? Well, first of all, that's a terrible idea. Yeah. I have a moral and ethical obligation to my brides. So yes, who is paying for it is very important. And I have very frank conversations with everyone involved. It does come down to whoever's signing my contract as far as what I provide. But I will always go back to them and say, listen, I'm not even, if somebody were to come with me with that, request, I would say, this is a terrible idea. You know, you're just going to have a bunch of drunk, drunk, drunk people. So, you know, there's that part of it. But if, if, if the bride calls me and she says like, listen, I don't want this. I do my best to manage who is paying the bill and sort of walk through this with them and tell them why. And usually it's just a reasoning. It's just conversation that we have had, you know, we've had some moms that the wedding is about them. And I get that. And usually the brides know that. And so they're kind of okay with it, but I walk a really fine line. So I'm always kind of like, what about this idea? What about this idea? What about this idea? (laughs) You know, you're like a family therapist. I am. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. And sometimes I just have to get everybody on the phone together. Yep. Yeah. And be like, all right, everybody we're having a zoom. (laughs) (laughs) What do you want to be known for? I want to be known for really, really happy clients and really beautifully 
fun, fun events. Yeah. So amazing. Do you have a book podcast or a resource that you love for like event or wedding planning or someone who like wants to get in the industry or maybe who's just like starting their wedding? Okay. Well, there's two separate pieces. My friend, Andrea Epolito has a really good book out for wedding planners. I can't remember the name of it, but you can look it up on her Instagram, Andrea Epolito. She's amazing. She's really good as far as a mentor in the industry. If you are just planning your wedding and you are just getting started, Mindy Weiss and Debbie Geller, two planners out of LA, they actually put together a program called Mad About Weddings, I believe. And Mindy also has a wedding planning book that's really good. So I would check out those two resources. But the best thing you can do if you're getting started if you want to be a wedding planner is find a wedding planner you like and go work for them for like a full summer, commit to a full summer, go do that. If you are just starting your wedding planning process, start talking to planners that you like and just see, start just going fishing and seeing what person that you like, what person that fits, what person seems professional and who you feel like you can trust. I love that. Where can all the TBB babes find you, follow you, come say hello. So I have a website. It's like really outdated because pandemic and COVID and all that. So I am the most active on my Instagram, Melissa underscore fancy. That's where you can find me. That's where I post all of the pictures that are happening, all of the real stuff, all the really fun networking industry events, everything I'm just up to, it goes on my Instagram. So you can message me on there. You can go to my website and inquire if you want, but Instagram's the best for me. I love it. Okay. Well, TVB babes slide and our guest of the week's DMs, go tell her hello that you heard her on TVB and we will see you next week. Please make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and we'll see you next Thursday. Ta-ta for now. 